0: We have three uh, scripture passages today. The first is uh, a psalm from the Old Testament, and this is a particular type of psalm called a, a lament, and uh, I think you'll get the, the theme, the gist of it here. O Lord my God, I call for help by day. I cry out in the night before Thee. Let my prayer come before Thee. Incline my ear to my cry, for my soul is full of troubles, and my life draws near to Sheol. I am reckoned among those who go down to the pit. I am a man who has no strength, like one forsaken among the dead, like the slain that lie in the grave, like those whom thou dost remember no more, for they are cut off from thy hand. Thou hast put me in the depths of the pit, in the regions dark and deep. Thy wrath lies heavy upon me, and thou dost overwhelm me with all thy waves. Thou hast caused my companions to shun me, Thou hast made me a thing of horror to them. I am shut in so that I cannot escape. My eyes grow dim through sorrow. Every day I call upon thee, O Lord. I spread out my hands to thee. Oh, that's enough. I'm getting depressed up here uh, reading this. I think you get the gist of it, right? The things are not going well for this guy. He's uh, feeling very lonely and very upset and things are not going well. Now, two other verses that have a more positive spin on being alone. The first, these are both for Jesus, from Jesus' life. The first from Matthew 14, where it says, After he, that is Jesus, had dismissed the crowds, he went up to the mountain by himself to pray. And when evening came, he was there alone. And from Mark chapter 1. That evening at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick or possessed with demons, and the whole city was gathered together about the door. And he healed many who were sick with various diseases, and cast out many demons, and he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. And in the morning, a great while before day, he rose and he went out to a lonely place, and there he prayed. And Simon, And those who were were with him pursued him, and they found him. And they said to him, everyone is searching for you. May the Lord bless to our hearts and our minds this reading of his word. It's great to be back. Uh, Last Sunday, uh, the choir and I were over at Imani, our sister church, and uh, worshiping with them over there. The choir sang four songs back to back. That's how they do it there. None of, the, none of this one and done type thing, you know. Four songs back to back. It was magnificent, like a concert. Uh, I did my sermon. I thought I was going okay until about 10 minutes in, one of the Amani ladies shouted, Help him, Lord, help him! So I decided I better pick up the pace a little bit, uh, you know, change it a little bit. Back, glad to be back here where people don't shout during the sermon, um, I'm excited because we're, doing, we're going to do a series here based on what I would say is probably one of the most profound Christian books that I've ever read in my life. It is a true classic. I don't know a minister who doesn't revere a book written by Henry Nowen called Reaching Out, Three Movements of the Spiritual Life. Henry Nowen was a Jesuit priest who taught at Yale Divinity School. Uh, he's deceased now. But he wrote this little book about three very crucial movements or steps in becoming a spiritual person. The first one we'll talk about today is the movement from loneliness to solitude. Next week we'll talk about the movement from hostility to hospitality. And then the third part is to move from illusion to prayer. So we're going to be looking for the next three weeks about these particular things. From loneliness to solitude, loneliness, being alone. When you're in prison and you mess up, what do they do? They take you out of your cell that you share with somebody else, and they put you in a cell by yourself called solitary confinement. It's the worst thing they can do to you. It's the worst punishment that you can give someone is to make them be alone. Now imagine a different scenario. You've been running around all day, working or doing whatever. You come home to your house and you discover that nobody's there. You're all alone. You grab a cup of tea or a glass of wine. You sit down and you're just sitting there going, this is so great to be alone, to have nobody else here. Now, both of those are physically the same experience. You're alone in a room. But one is really bad. We call that loneliness. And then one is really good. We call that solitude. What is the difference, and how do you move away from loneliness towards solitude? Henry Nowen in his book, talked about, uh, by the way, it's not, a, it's not a new problem, is it? That psalmist that wrote that, he was lonely and afraid, and that was 3,000 years ago. He had those same feelings that people have nowadays. Henry Nowen, in his, in his own book, wrote about living in New York City and feeling lonely on the subway. He sits in the subway surrounded by silent people. No one speaks. They hide behind newspapers a patrolling policeman reminds me that people are not around to help me. My eyes wander on the walls of the train, covered with invitations to buy more products. The products are to produce what I see in the pictures young, beautiful people enjoying each other in a gentle embrace, playful men and women enjoying each other on a yacht, proud explorers on horseback, children dancing on a sunny beach, charming women ready to tuck me in for the long journey to Singapore. I want all this. The advertising seeks to make a connection between their product and this kind of life to replace the one that I spend alone. The train goes through a dark tunnel where I make sure that I know where my money is as these images decorate my fearful world. Loneliness is the epitome of human suffering. Many people think that Mother Teresa, when she started her hospice in Calcutta, did it to help poor people, people who were starving or homeless. She did what she did because she had the belief that no one should die alone. No one should die in a state of loneliness. That every person deserved some caring human being there to help transition them from this world to the next world. That's why she did what she did. Psychiatrists and doctors know that loneliness is at the root of suicide, alcoholism, drug use, all kinds of psychosomatic symptoms, both great and small. Nowen wrote that loneliness is a contagious disease in a world in which a competitive individualism tries to reconcile itself with a culture that speaks about togetherness unity, and community as the ideals to strive for. So what are the roots of loneliness, the causes of it? One of the first ones is the tremendous desire to avoid pain. We do everything possible to avoid the confrontation with the experience of being alone. And sometimes we're able to create the most ingenious devices To prevent ourselves from being reminded of this condition, we bury our pains as if they don't exist. You ever come across somebody that you know in the grocery store or someone, and you say to them, hey, how you doing? And they say, fine, I'm, I'm doing fine. And yet you know that that woman has just lost her husband. You know that her son is on drugs and that her daughter is in the middle of a bloody divorce. Things are not fine, but she insists that they are. Years ago, in the 70s, the Educational Television Network did a documentary called An American Family. And it was about a family that lived in Santa Barbara called The Louds. They actually went back and redid this documentary years later and years later. Three times, there was a husband and a wife and five kids and they followed him around and filmed everything, and it was amazing. Eventually, the couple divorced, and the kids had all these problems that you could see from the very beginning documentary. They were there, but they were never addressed. They had a false expectation that others could take away their loneliness. The mother summarized the family motto. She said, I don't like things that make me uncomfortable. I don't like things that make me uncomfortable. The son said, you see seven lonely people trying desperately to love each other and not succeeding. Henry David Thoreau said, when our life ceases to be inward and private, conversation degenerates into gossip. He says that you may get a lot of mail in your life, but it's sad when you haven't heard from yourself in a long time. The first root of loneliness is seeking to avoid the inevitable pain of life. The second one is constantly seeking a final solution, some perfect answer to everything. In in physics, they talk about the search for the unified theory, the thing that will solve all the problems and answer all the questions in physics. I remember when I went to seminary, I, I was on the search for the unified theory of human life theology, philosophy, I read everything I could thinking that by the time I got done with the three years, I was going to have some really good answers for everybody. I was going to waltz out there and fix people's problems because I would figure it all out and, and have a unified theory of how things work. And it didn't really work out that way. You know, we're not called to take each other's loneliness away. When our loneliness drives us away from ourselves into the arms of our companions. We are, in fact, driving ourselves into excruciating relationships, tiring friendships, and suffocating embraces. The other problem is making other people the problem. When we seek to take our loneliness away, we often do it by making other people the problem in our life and saying that it's your fault that I feel this way. It's your fault that I am like this. And when we keep running from one person to the next for our solution, We need a true friend to say, Don't run. Just be quiet. Be silent. Listen to your own struggle. The answer to your question is hidden in your own heart. So the journey from loneliness to solitude begins when we stop avoiding the inevitable pain in life, seeking the final solution, and making other people the problem. What is the path to solitude? getting there. I think part of it begins with this whole thing of listening to your life. It's the name of a book by Parker Palmer. He said, listen to your life. Stop and listen to your heart, what it's saying to you. I knew a a young guy uh, named Rich, extremely successful young man in business. In fact, he was being groomed to be the president of, of the company that he worked for. He did extremely well, and yet he walked away from it he just left. He said, you know, I was very good at what I did, but it didn't give me any joy. It didn't give me any fulfillment. I need to find something else in my life that will make me feel like I'm doing something that's worthwhile. And so that's how we work in that. We begin to, it's like Rainer Maria Rilke, when he wrote, be patient toward all that is unsolved in your heart, And try to love the questions themselves. Live the questions, and then perhaps without noticing it, you will live along some distant day into the answer. I like to call this a journey church, not an answer church. We're on a journey. We got a lot of questions. We don't have everything figured out. You're not going to get passed out a, a sheet during the sermon with all the answers right there. We're together in this. We ask the questions. And we love the questions themselves, because they are part of the journey. They are part of it. Then we we understand that we often see, see solitude and goodness, those things, in painful encounters with others. The really great writers in the world do not give easy solutions. But they present characters of such depth and complexity that we find meaning and solutions in them. I'm talking about people like Tolstoy in War and Peace or Graham Greene in The Power and the Glory. Writers who create fiction of such depth that it, it is the very nature of the characters themselves in which we find meaning and purpose, not in particular answers. And so Kierkegaard or Sartre, or none of them offered easy solutions, but they worked with us and walked through the questioning together. And so, in conclusion, it takes a while to move from loneliness to solitude. I remember speaking to a woman in this church who was a widow. She had lost her husband of many, many years, and she, and she was telling me, she said, Bill, you know, that first year, I was so terribly lonely. I was so incredibly lonely. And she says, now, now it's been three years. And I look back on it, and even though I miss my husband, I'm not lonely anymore. I'm okay. I never thought I would get here, but I'm okay. It doesn't hurt the way it used to hurt. She was able to make that journey from the pain of loneliness and loss, and, that, and it's so normal, of course, to experience that. But she was able to hang in there long enough, To move toward a place of solitude and contentment. Solitude is the ability to connect with others and then connect with ourselves on a regular basis. The great French philosopher Blaise Pascal wrote this, All human evil comes from a single cause, man's inability to sit still in a room. He followed that with this one. By means of a diversion, we can avoid our own company 24 hours a day. I'm preaching to myself here because I am the king of diversions. I love diversions. When I go down to Lake Merritt to walk around the lake and get exercise, i got to have my, my iPad with my This American Life podcast on it. I have a glass in my ear. I can't just go and walk. And then one day, I was five minutes into the route. It takes 50 minutes for me. It's five minutes into it, and the battery died. I just had to walk. No podcast. I took off my headphones. I discovered there were birds around the lake, and they, they make noises, and people were talking, going back and forth and pa- passing me by, most of them, um, And it was a whole different experience, a totally different experience. But by way of a diversion, I spend most of my time trying to avoid just sitting quietly in a room alone. But the more we get used to that, the more it can be okay. Well, it grows on you. It grows on you. I'm always looking for great theology, great philosophy. And this week, I found it in a surprising place. I found it in a book called Days with Frog and Toad. This is a, a reading level two with help, an I Can Read book, all of, the, the, all of its very uh, short words and little words. There's a whole series of these by Arnold LaBelle, Frog and Toad. They're very good friends. And in one story in this called Alone, Toad goes over to Frog's house for a visit and he finds a note on the door that says that Frog went out because he wanted to be alone. Toad is very upset by this. Why would he want to be alone when he has me for a friend, he asks. And he finds Frog sitting alone on a little island in a lake too far to be heard from shore. He jumps into action. He goes back home. He makes sandwiches and iced tea. He hitches a ride on a turtle to the little island where Frog is. And he says this, I made lunch, frog, so that you would be happy. But Toad said, frog, I am happy. I'm very happy. This morning when I woke up, I felt good because the sun was shining. I felt good because I was a frog. I felt good because I have you for a friend. I wanted to be alone. I wanted to think about how fine everything is. Oh, said Toad, Well, I guess that's a very good reason for wanting to be alone. Now, said Frog, I would be glad not to be alone. Let's eat lunch. So Frog and Toad stayed on the island all afternoon. They ate sandwiches. They were two close friends sitting alone together. May Jesus bless us and help us on that long journey from loneliness to solitude.